The one thing that you as a personal trainer or owner of a gym have is that personal connection. I, as your trainer, I know that day that you felt sad and we talked about it. I know that injury that you've got that I need to adapt for. So we've got to realize the value that we have as, as individuals in that smaller community um, to try and you know, maximize on that. Hey, I'm Will Brereton, founder of Shift Fitness, and this is Group Fitness Real Talk, a show about how to survive and even thrive in group fitness in 2021 and beyond. Have you ever felt like you don't fit into a certain fitness image? Or have you struggled to find your place in an industry that doesn't always make you feel great about yourself? Today on the show, I'm talking to my good friend, Laura Hoggins. Now, if you're from the UK, you may already know Laura. She's built a name for herself in the fitness industry by being authentically her. Laura has inspired a new generation of women to be proud of their strength, both inner and physical. But if you're not a woman, I don't think that this episode isn't relevant to you because everybody can learn a lot from Laura's story. I know that personally, I have. Laura has built an incredible online community of empowered followers. She's the director of a top London boutique studio network and has an incredible knack for building communities that make people feel included and celebrated for their individuality. In a world that might seem to praise you for losing weight or toning up, or a world that promotes eight-week shreds and beach body challenges, Laura's approach to health, fitness, and body image is a breath of fresh air and I think very much needed. This episode is full of great perspectives on the fitness industry, body image, building a community, building a fitness business, and much more. I really hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed chatting to Laura. So, Laura, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much, Will, for having me. I feel like this is a long time coming. Absolutely. <laughs> one, of, one of my original planned guests, but I've saved you till after our hiatus. So tell me, where, uh, where am I talking to you from? I, I obviously know, but why don't you tell the listeners? <laughs> yeah, so I, I, um, I'm in a very glamorous location, actually. Mm-hmm. Pre, Pre-COVID, um, this was our, our back storage room. Post-COVID, as we are out of that uh, scenario, hopefully now, it is now our digital studio at the gym. Um, so I, I've got, uh, you just picture it, I've got squat racks behind me, plates, barbells. Uh, the temperature is not fantastic. But, uh, <laughs> I'm in our all-new uh, digital studio, which is just at the back of our main gym. And tell me about the gym. So for those of you, those listeners that don't know, yeah, so I'm uh, a director, coach, uh, head of brand at a gym called The Foundry. Uh, we're based in London. We've got three sites, uh, one in Vauxhall, um, one a bit more in the city, uh, in Bank, um, which has been obviously uh, over the, the period of time been very, very quiet. Um, and in Old Street, which is just sort of east of London, a bit more residential. So we focus on um, a group training model um, in semi-private personal training, so one coach up to for um clients and then we have group classes etc yeah so it's um we've probably we're aiming for about 300 members that's a good place and we're just building that back up now awesome so full disclosure for people that are listening is the foundry is my gym in london and my favorite gym um so it's where i train when i am back and it's actually the original foundry is right next to my house in london which made it very very convenient um, and those listeners that have been involved in Shift will recognize the foundry from our backgrounds <laughs> of various of our workouts. So we've had we've had a long relationship, but I actually met you at a different gym, right? I think it was at Ministry of Sound Fitness back in the day. Was that when we first kind of made made our acquaintance? 
Yeah, pretty much. So I think it's one of those that I probably knew you like via social media or, you know, you're obviously you're very into fitness and um, yourself. So I think it's one of those that, yes, we finally probably met at Ministry of Sound Fitness, which has a, a big place in my heart. Um, sadly, is is no longer um, using the, the group fitness model. They've got actually a fantastic gym in what they've evolved to now. But yeah, that's where we were. So when was so take me back to how long you've been in fitness because I've as a follower of you um I kind of know your history but I think it's quite interesting like and why don't you take the listeners through how you got into fitness and your journey up till now don't feel that you need to kind of labor over any point but um but I often often see your posts about how you start when you started uh your fitness journey you were working in an office job and living a quite different lifestyle to the lifestyle you lead now right very it's it's actually mad to think that I kind of feel like, you know, fitness is my job and has been forever because it kind of feels more me. It's my my purpose, let's call it. It's like my calling. But actually, I've been in fitness full time for just over five years, which is half the amount of time that I had a previous career. Mm. Um, so I, I've um, sort of graduated from university, business studies in marketing um, in the UK and started um, my career at a company called Unilever, which is a big FMCG company, um, the the sort of the company behind brands you should know, like you know, Lynx, um, those things. <laughs> I mean, hopefully you've not done a Lynx all these yeah. days. <laughs> hopefully no one uses it, but you know, you've seen the ads. Um, but yeah, just sort of a big, a big global company um, in sales and marketing role, five years there. Um, a bit of a hiatus in the Cayman Islands. Maybe I'll talk about that another time. That's another <laughs> that was like my gap year. Yeah. Um, spent more time uh, underwater than I did uh, above it. And then I was at L'Oreal for five years in various sales and marketing roles across brands at L'Oreal Paris, Garnier, uh, Maybelline. And it was just always been my dream, my passion to be in work in fitness. I think if I, if I take myself back to when I left university, I thought, you know, that's the thing to do. I need to get a degree. God knows why. For <laughs> but I, you know, that was just sort of the pressures in in and around my my schools, et cetera, college, and then it was the done thing to do. And then I, I had a job at David Lloyd um, in one of their flagship clubs uh, in Weybridge in Surrey, which is unbelievable. Uh, and I worked there in various roles in F&B, in the kids' club, just sort of looking up at the PT floor, like, yeah, one day, trying to get my experience. And then I just it, – it's, it's a strange one, really, because I'd like to think I always had quite a lot of confidence, but this – I just never had the confidence at that stage – to go, right, I'm going to get qualified and I'm going to be a personal trainer. Um, I looked at the gym floor. There was no women uh, PTs. Um, you know, certainly if there was, they were six foot tall, um, probably looked Swedish, you know, very, very slim. Um, talking about toning and, and it just wasn't, it wasn't me. And I couldn't see myself in, in the fitness landscape. So fast forward 10 years, I thought I've absolutely had it now. I'm going to give this a go because if I don't, I'll, I'll regret it forever. And at that time I was 30, I turned 30 and I was thinking, God, I'm a bit old to do this now, but you know, whatever, here I am. It was petrifying and I'm so glad that I did it. Um, but it's not easy. I think, you know, people look at me, what I'm doing today, you know, director of one of the best gyms in London. And it didn't come without a lot of hard graft and a lot of uncertainty, I would say. Yeah, totally. So, I like. I want to delve more into kind of how you got to where you are because you're now a 
um, a presenter on Fit, which is a massive big digital fitness platform. You're a director of the Foundry, as you said. You've written a book. You're a speaker at various events. Like in five years, that is a long way to come. But let's wind it back a little bit. I am going to ask about that. But what got you into fitness? Like, what was the step you took? You did you leave your job or did you do part time study in PT? Like, what was it that kind of leveraged you out of what you were doing into this? Yeah, so I've always been sporty. So when I was, without boring you, like when I was three, no. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I was younger, I was all, I played football. Um, I played for a great club in, in my early teens, um, played for Chelsea uh, girls. Um, I played netball. I was into judo. I was in canoe clubs. I was just, my poor parents just, you know, can't <laughs> everywhere I needed. I just loved team sport. It wasn't necessarily fitness. The train, the fitness part, the training of it, I didn't love. Yep. You know, doing laps around the pitch, that shuttle runs, not really my jam. But I love that, you know, physical pursuit on, you know, for a, a common goal with a team. Um, so I've all, I've always been into that. And then sort of in my later career, um, I sort of got into running as probably most women do, because I think, oh God, you know, maybe, maybe um, I was coming out of a breakup in my personal life and I thought, right, I need to, you know, revenge body to, to cope with <laughs> Kardashian, right? So <laughs> I need to get thin ASAP because that is how it's done, right? So I started running and running and running. And then I thought, God, this is hard. I don't really enjoy it. So I thought, right, to re- I'm quite extreme. I'm quite an all or nothing person. You okay. Know, <laughs> in this podcast, I thought, that is it. I'm running the London Marathon because if I commit to that, you know, internally, externally, um, I'll have to do it. And I'll, I'll 100% I'll be thin by the end of it. Um, <laughs> And I, and I was, um, and I got to this goal weight that I probably felt overweight at the time, which is ridiculous looking back at photos now, nothing of me. Um, five foot two, very slight, probably bad knees. You know, I wasn't as in strength training or whatever. So then I was like, okay, right, I've done this running thing. I'll be honest, I didn't really enjoy it. I started doing, I had a membership at Virgin Active, which was the gym next to uh, the office at L'Oreal. And I started going to these classes with this unbelievable Les Mills instructor. She is, was, I just looked and I thought, wow, you are a boss. She had so much energy. I could not work out how she could talk and do the exercise. <laughs> as you know uh, very well, Will, in your, your dancing days as well. That we were um, and she, she, I started going to body pump. And I was like, oh my God, I've got this barbell and I feel like a boss. And we're, we're listening to Pink and I'm doing the reps and, you know, you start to learn a bit about technique. And I thought, I like this weights business. It feels good. I, I almost want to start. Ah, so this is something I didn't know about you. So body pump was your entry into lifting. Yeah. I mean, ah, that's super interesting because that's obviously not where you are now. And that's something that no. I don't think I knew before, even though yeah. I like know you pretty well. And I feel that we've talked a lot about fitness. Yeah. It's so, it's so mad thinking about it now because like I sort of did the body pump set, you know, I did body attack. That was a bit, that was a bit more chaotic. It was a bit more... <laughs> I just really thought, you know, this this barbell business I really like and, you know, doing the different releases and that was kind of fun. And it was, you know, big endorphin rush, of course, before I then was stressed to my eyeballs, sat down at an office upstairs, mm. you know, in, in, the, in the wonderful world that is L'Oreal. It was amazing. Um, and then suddenly a friend said to me, listen, I've got a mate who's left his job as a lawyer and he's, he started this CrossFit gym in Hammersmith over the road. I think it's near your office. And I thought, what is CrossFit? Who were trying to get fit and they're just getting really cross. I don't know. That was <laughs> and I went, I went to a taster class and I, I, again, I saw this big bad boss woman who was taking this class and she was muscular. She was athletic. She 
she was she owned the energy in the room and I did this taster class and I honestly was I saw the light I was near death um it was just it was body pump on speed with um heavier weights you know box jumps all the kit and I thought wow this is it this is the next step for me you know I've completed body pump for now <laughs> and Monta, I'm onto the big girl weights now yeah, well, do you know, it's difficult because, you know, body pump, it, it's all in cap, you know, you start the journey, it's like a roller coaster, you're on it and then you finish, you're like, oh my God, what just happened? Whereas with CrossFit, there was this element of skill and technique mm. that, you know, and gymnastics and maximal strength progressions that I thought, yeah, I think I'm ready for that. So I started CrossFit and I was that, that meme that was like, if you do CrossFit and you're vegan, what do you tell people first? <laughs> I was like, hey, do you know I do CrossFit? Um, and it was like, ah, right. So this is, this is your um, Instagram origin story too, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. So, um, my will obviously know where we first met my Instagram handle was biceps and bronzer Yeah. because at 6am I, I took my, my body genetically took to all this, this, uh, strength training volume quite quickly and my, on my shoulders and my traps and my biceps, everything just grew massive. So I sort of grew out of my popping out of my denim shirts that I used to wear after all this running. Um, and yeah, so then I was sort of selling makeup in, in the day. So biceps and bronzer. And I started, you know, posting these really low quality, terrible videos of me doing all these weird things with the barbell. And it just started people were like, wow, what are you doing? God, that's interesting. Because no one had heard of CrossFit in London mm-hmm. six years ago. It was a really new thing. I genuinely think there was... 10 independent CrossFit boxes when I started. Yep. And I really enjoyed it. And then sort of going through that journey myself, I thought, hang on a minute. I'm so enthusiastic. I'm so passionate about all these different types, you know, the early days of sport, of sport, you know, the, the body pump, the, the endorphin rush, how I felt, and the technique and the community that CrossFit gave me. Um, I want to, I want to bring this to as many people as I can. So I started having a little look around at, you know, where can I, I still don't see myself working the gym floor as a PT, a Virgin Active or David, or as mm-hmm. much my experience there. And I, I think they're great clubs. I needed something a little bit different. And I found the foundry. I did um, a class called Strong Man. It's now called Strong. And um, we decided to, to take the man out of it as a, as a woman. Uh, it perhaps wasn't, wasn't quite fair. So yeah, Strong Class, which is modified strongman training, which Will uh, is absolutely a boss. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's one of my favorite classes. I have to, I have to um, meter my appearances because um, I get too excited and put my back out. But um. <laughs> that is true. There are times where Will walks in a bit sheepishly and it's a, it's a bicep curl and yeah. a up day, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, it's um, modified strongman training is something that has been around for a while, but the co-founders, uh, Ben Gotting and Dave Thomas, uh, of the foundry or started uh, the gym from sort of a, a professional athlete background. So they're both ex-rugby, um, full of injuries. I mean, Ben's had 5 million, sorry, Ben, if you're listening, 5 million <laughs> um, knee replacements. He's had lots of, um, lots of operations. Which Dave, makes him very good at dealing with people with injuries, I like, is, which is something I would learn. He's nursed me back from, um, from slip discs a couple of times. Yeah, he, he, know, he knows. And, uh, you know, Dave, Again, sorry, Dave, if you're listening, but his nickname at university, I think, was Hospital Dave. Um, <laughs> he's had so many uh, sort of, you know, rugby accidents and come off his bike and all sorts of things. So between them, they've, they've had a bit of a, a ride and, and they, they were passionate about making a, a place that felt safe, 
that was community-based and, and around the, the, the essence of where the strong belong. It's not about a place where you have to fit in. It's where you can come as you are and you will belong, you know, in, in all of your individual uh, glory. And we've got people who are very well-trained, good training age, very, very strong. And we've got people who have never set inside of a gym uh, before. And I think that's the beauty of it, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's certainly my experience of the Foundry because I have, I like <clears throat> a bit similar to you, I got into fitness through gyms, teaching classes, obviously. Obviously, I was doing Les Mills for years and years. I tried CrossFit and because of a few biomechanical issues that I've got, CrossFit just doesn't work for me. Like I just cannot do some of the movements. And and I'm also been in fitness for long enough that I'm aware that, you know, be, doing a snatch is great, but doing a snatch doesn't actually help you to do anything other than do a snatch. And the foundry was somewhere where I could go and feel like I was doing strength training and achieving those aims, but not having to do it in a way that was putting me into a box that I didn't fit in, which was being able to do the Olympic lifting because I just don't have the squat depth or the or the um or the back to be able to do that. So there's a couple of themes in what you were saying that I do want to come back to, and that's specifically around kind of how you got into fitness around being thin and then took to strength straight away, and also about um, about being inspired by a strong woman and wanting to find that within the fitness industry. Before we get there, I do want to talk a little bit because we have a lot of instructors who are listening and many instructors who recently during the pandemic and a little bit before have more and more realized how important it is to build a brand in order to, to drive their way through their career. And I think that a lot of people sort of a few years ago would have thought, well, you know, my fitness career will be going and working for a David Lloyd or a Virgin, and they will provide me with a constant source of PT revenue, or they'll provide me with a slot on the timetable. And that was that was a given, right? And that's all the, the, the um, table's been flipped, and that certainly doesn't work anymore. And everyone is much more of the understanding that building your own brand, understanding who you are and, and where you want to go is super important for actually having a career in fitness. So you got into it five years ago. You have a career that a lot of people would be super jealous and enviable of. And I know that it's been a lot of hard work, but how did you come so far so fast? What would you put it down to? So I'm actually going to re rewind a little bit from when I first started out and I sort of shared, I was very scared about trying to carve my way in this industry because the, the language, you know, still in London at that time was very much around toning and, you know, abs definitely equal fitness. and. Mm -hmm it was kind of far away from what I deemed to be fitness. It's like fit for what? Fit for a photo shoot or yep. fit for life? And that kind, of, that kind of attitude I really felt passionately about, but there wasn't a lot of people talking about it. And I saw a lot of advice from, um, you know, a great network in London of people. Some, some gave me, I think, some great advice. Some with great intent actually gave me some terrible advice. And I'm really proud that I didn't take it because – um, there was what was the terrible advice? Yeah, I, I have to know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we won't throw anyone under the bus, but I'm curious to know what it was. It's really good intent, but it, so as a woman who is trying to promote and carve their way in an industry via strength training, you can imagine when bingo wings were still the chat. Mm. I would find this difficult. Um, and they said they, the advice they said to me on my Instagram. They said. I, they said, if you want to talk to this woman that you want to train and, and educate her about the benefits of strength training, you've got to stop posting all these big lifts. You, you, can't, you can't show them all of your training because you're going to scare them off. Uh, the whole, you know, you know, muscles cause size and no one wants size and all this, all this rubbish that has been perpetuated within the industry for years and years and years. 
exactly and they were like well actually i think you should you should dilute what you do to serve you know to be better serving their language to talk yeah. about you know, toning and lower reps and low you know higher reps and lower weights and and that's strength training and i thought but it isn't yeah <laughs> it, it isn't strength it might be you know you're a total beginner there are obviously elements that you need to master in terms of foundational movement patterns but all i could see was like these pulses and you know this sort of bar style thing being being talked about as strength training mm. there was ah, this- yeah. <laughs> like standing at the bar and just doing little leg flutters i was about to say that i'm not i'm not poo-pooing that as a training style oh, it's yeah. just it's just a different type of training style right but yeah, yeah bar classes are bloody hard <laughs> yeah i've been to one yeah. i went to, um, I went to uh, a wonderful woman uh, in london ashley verma she uh, runs a studio called define and I went um, to go to her class and, oh, my God, I can't tell you. The yeah, second, I've like, been humbled a couple of times, once in a once in a hot Pilates class and once in a bar class where I was, like, blowing out. And I'm, I consider myself to be pretty fit, but, yeah, ouch. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, we digress. I, I agree with you. That, that's not me... Um, <laughs> That's not me being being harsh about that. It's very very difficult. But as a as a training style, it just it wasn't sort of you know where, where I was at, and it mm-hmm. was around the time where sort of Instagram had started. I've got this account. I'm posting. People are starting to interact with me. Like, what's she doing? That's weird. Um, and it was around the strong, not skinny hashtag. Mm. And I remember it getting big and, you know, it was just strength training started to be like this thing. And it wasn't really, like I said, but I, it never really it just always grated on me because I thought, well, why is there this, you you have to be strong or skinny. Right. I couldn't work it out because I was like, well, I'm, you know, I have been skinny and you know, I'm mm-hmm. still or You know, there are other people genetically that are set up differently to me and, and, I, and always grated on me. And I always thought, well, I'm going to park it for now. I'm going to ride this you know, development of, of strength training and see where I get to. And actually I found, and this would definitely be my advice to anyone in the industry, speaking my authentic truth right. and mission and attitude has been what has got me to where I am now. And no, I might not be the most, you know, popular. I might not have a million followers on Instagram like Chrissy Seller or, you know, these other people that are owning that real global market who are doing a fantastic job and encouraging lots of people to train. Actually, I don't need a million people to have a fantastic business. And actually, I always saw myself as, yes, having an online platform as a form to communicate and try to inspire and encourage women. And yes, there's an opportunity that you can make money via, is that Mm -hmm. online coaching or collaborating with brands? But I always wanted to, to, to myself... I will never be described as an influencer. It could be described as a part of what I do, fine, Um, a person of influence, but I'm a personal trainer. And that's what I wanted to ensure, that I was on the gym floor, I was learning, I was authentic, I was in front of people every single day. And just what I experienced there, I was then able to share um, with people that maybe I couldn't physically uh, get to. So I guess that, that was my... That was my start. I started mm-hmm. thinking about, hey, girls, you should strength it. Actually, what about this? And people started going, wow, actually, I, I never thought about that. And wow, as soon as I, I did a deadlift today, and oh, my God, there's this weird feeling of like empowerment, of doing something that you didn't think you could. And God, I much prefer it to running. And it was, I just, I always said to myself, I wanted to wave this little flag in the corner, no matter how big or small my following was, just to say, hey, listen, you don't have to do that. Mm you want you can come and do this and no judgment either way i i 
I believe everyone should strength train, but like you said, there's lots of different ways in which you can do it. And that could be style, location, community, online, offline, you know, yeah. this hybrid model now. And there's, you know, so many amazing, you know, like what you've created with shift, right. You know, with lift, people can learn to lift at home. You don't even have to go to a gym anymore. So that I'd say for me is, is, was the making of me. And that's why I'm sort of spoken about now as sort of a, you know, a, I feel a bit like a twat saying it, <laughs> a pioneer of industry, right? In that, yeah, idea. yeah, yeah. I didn't do what everyone else was doing. I think Joe Wicks is fantastic. It's not for me. <laughs> That's the most um, diplomatic way <laughs> Joe Wicks described. Well, I think it's great. Me too. Me too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all about if if people are inspired and moving and they're safe and it's sustainable. Yeah. I'm all for it. It doesn't have to be with me. Um, there's something out there for everyone. I completely agree. We've actually talked uh, a lot of the guests that we've had on this podcast have often said the same thing, which is basically that you can't, you just can't get anywhere or you, there's, there's nowhere worth going if you aren't going to be your authentic self. And it's kind of niching down and appreciating that you don't have to be for everyone. And I think it's something that we've, that I've repeated with a number of guests. It's like, if you try and be for everyone, then you just end up being for no one. Right. And some people manage to do it. And some like Joe Wicks and some super successful people manage to kind of be that personality where they can resonate with everyone but that's really difficult for most people and probably out of reach but that doesn't mean that you can't sort of niche down to understand who you are and the change you want to be and then reach those people in particular exactly exactly and honestly if i tried to be you know a a, a different <clears throat> style than i naturally am it would be exhausting it's hard enough as it is so i think it's you know i always remind myself i'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me mm. I, I truly believe that I can help people through my experience and through professional application of everything I've learned um, and, and apply it at the foundry. It's a tough thing to be, right? Because when you're a trainer, you want everyone that comes to your class to have a great experience. And then you can kind of dilate the, dilate, dilute that down into, I want everyone to like me. <laughs> and then that becomes a thing that kind of gnaws away at the back of you. But the reality is, is that like everybody likes different things. Do you like everyone? No. Do you think badly of someone you don't like? No, nah, you just don't like it. Like that's not your cup of tea, right? Yeah, that's the thing. And that's, that's hard as well to accept. Maybe in my older days, you know, I'm, I'm 36 now. Um, I, I fully accept that that's going to be okay. And you just, mm. Well, it's one of the one of the biggest things I wrote in in my in my book, uh, "Lift Yourself," was around from a training perspective and in in, in business professionally. Just you cannot you cannot worry about what anyone else thinks mm. um, because you'll just waste loads of time. Crack on with the people that are inspired and are working with you, and you know the networks that you you can learn from, um, and let them get on with what they're getting on with. It's human nature though, right? Like you, you, you have a class of 20 people and 18 people walk out happy and two people like look like they, they had a great, they had a terrible time and all you can do is think, oh God, what did I do? Yeah. It's, it's so a, a classic example of this. I was actually talking to Ben, one of the co-founders at the Foundry yesterday. We had a, a class, an outdoor class um, that we've been, that we've been running and we got two reviews for it. One was five stars. Oh my God. I love the Foundry. Everything about it. It was fantastic. The vibe of up. Second review, one star. It was a terrible experience. No, I, the, the weights were too heavy for me. But so you've got the same environment. Yeah. Two people that would tell 10 friends how amazing it was and another person that's going to tell 10 friends it was the worst experience ever. And you've got to take that on the chin a little bit. Mm. You know, you, you know what it's like from, you know, your, what, what you do. And you, we cannot please everyone, you know. Yeah. 
and and I'm and I'm probably more interested to understand why were the one star, um, but even more interested than that, the people that gave me three or four stars because they liked us. Mm. It was just quite good enough. The one star's never going to come back. Yeah, it was so far away from what they expected. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the three and four stars that you think, oh, hang on a minute, how could we adapt to make you want to come back to us? Yeah, completely. So on that note, kind of about sort of understanding who you are and who you're for. Now, you've talked about the fact that when you started off in the fitness industry, you didn't see, or you had some inspiring sort of female role models in certain elements, but you didn't necessarily see yourself reflected. And you also talked a little bit about how when you were running, it was all about being thin and then you found lifting and it got into being strong. Talk to me a little bit about how it, how it feels now to probably be, a, well, not to probably be, to be a role model for women in the industry that are looking to focus on strength and not on purely aesthetics or on being thin or on being lean and being toned. Like, is that a, because I think that all all people within the fitness industry struggle, struggle with body image. Women struggle with it more because just generally in society, like the expectations are so different. And is that something that you came to gradually? Like, are you, do you feel now that you're completely comfortable in your skin or do you still have moments where you sometimes feel a little bit, a little bit unconfident, inconfident, unconfident, or, or are you now like totally in the zone of where you are? Yeah. So that, like, that was a terrible way of asking the question. <laughs> the question is, do you ever have self-doubt? How's that? <laughs> well, the short answer to that is yes, always. I, I don't think that's ever going to go. But I, I feel quite grateful that I'm in a position now where my body confidence is significantly better than it used to be. Like it used to be really bad, like really bad. I used to, I look back at that that woman and think, oh God, that was stressful for you. And you know, and I think that maybe men as well. A lot of women have that journey in their lives, and maybe if it maybe it's just I've not given up, but I'm just exhausted by it. Mm. And I describe myself as being content. Now, not every day do I feel incredible, amazing. Um, obviously, women as well, we have the, the wonderful thing as the menstrual cycle. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> it's a nightmare to, to, to manage and deal with. So every, every day brings its challenges. But gen, generally, on the whole, I'm absolutely content. And the, the, the funny thing, I was actually talking to someone this week about the pressures of social media. Like I've always said social media will be a a tool for communicating, not my everything, because mm-hmm. when Instagram finally goes, which it will, maybe not in right. my life, I don't know, but we all remember MySpace and that's not in my life. Today. Yeah, and we will link to Laura's Instagram in this because Laura has a very active Instagram. And so when, when you talk about this, I think it's your talking as someone who um, invests a lot of time in making sure that your Instagram is something of value. I try to, yeah, and I try to be really, really honest, and not in a not in a honest way of, um, you know, crying down, you know, down at the, you know, there is a filter, there there mm. is boundaries. I do keep, you know, some a level of privacy to myself, but I, I, I try to repeat the same messages and try and show an insight into how do I walk my my talk on a daily basis. And I see a lot on Instagram. I see a lot of sort of women that are big on Instagram. Um, that we're sort of going through this trend, body confidence, body positivity, mm. you know, all this thing. And I will, I don't believe, I mean, you could play this back to me in five years and I, I'm not <laughs> doing it, but I, I don't ever believe I'm going to be that person that's going to take a photo of a, a fat roll or a, you know, my cellulite and go, oh, you know, I have cellulite too, you know, it's okay. 
I, d- I don't connect with that message. Right. There's that trend right now of doing the side-by-side where one's someone slouching or bending over slightly and they've got a bit of a fat roll and the other one's of them doing a booty pop. And they're yeah. like, same person. It's like, well, no kidding. But <laughs> I, I, get, I get where you're going from this. But now this is turning into like just, just yet another form of of making it all about aesthetics it's like look at look at how i look at how ugly i can look in this photo on the left but look at how hot i am on the photo on the right <laughs> so also on that and this might be me um just being i don't know a little bit i'm not sure about it mm-hmm. this, the, the photo that is meant to be worse is actually fantastic yeah well, yeah exactly as well you've not really gone for it there You've 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 sort of held a little bit back, so you're yeah. sort of happy with both. But well, you know that that person still took a hundred photos of the bad version and chose the least bad, <laughs> or the bad that they were comfortable putting out to the world. Exactly, and I guess from from my perspective, I I I just try to show myself as naturally and authentically as I can. And I'll post the damn photo if I've got five chins or one chin. <laughs> if I like the photo, to be honest, and yeah. it's that deep. And I'm sure, actually, if I looked back and I looked at my photo, oh gosh, yeah, they know you're right. There is some steady light there, or oh gosh, when I do that, there is some wobble, or whatever, whatever it is. You know, my weightlifting belt. You know, you, what? Nothing is that flattering, really, mm. in this, apart from that one still under the professional lighting yeah. at an event that you went to. So I just think it's about posting it and just don't mention it. I, I, like I say, when I'm at most, when I'm most confident with my body is when I'm not thinking about it. Right. Ah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, those posts, well intentioned as they might be, they ju- they just still focus everything in on specific aesthetics and and a look, right? And at the end of the day, like if you're someone who, and I I, I um, consider myself in this bucket as well, I have been through a times of worrying a lot about what I look like and I still care, right? Like I still like feel better about myself when I'm a little bit leaner or, but I've managed to kind of put that into the back seat. And now the driver's seat is I'm about to turn 40 and I'm really happy that I still have the ability to do all of these things that I can do. There's certain things that I can't, I can't go skiing, back won't take it, can't do deadlifts. But, you know, I can still go and do a class or I can run around or I can go on a go on a hike and all this sort of stuff. And that's what I value. And I've just stopped trying to let the aesthetic side of things have any influence on my happiness as a person. It still does. <laughs> like, I'm not going to suggest like I'm enlightened and I've got away from it, but but it, it like it, I try to make it, I try to make it not something I focus on and I make it something I never talk about or focus with other people on. Exactly. Yeah. And this, this is the thing that I, I agree with you. I, I, I want to look good. I'm human. We all want mm. to look naked. It's, it, we want to go look good on holiday. We want to look good in the gym. We yeah. want to wear our clothes well. Like I'm not, I'm not suggesting that I'm completely just ignoring it and whatever, you know, I still, I still, I still definitely want to, look good, but it's just my values have changed. And there was one time it was about two or three years ago that I was training and, you know, I, I would suggest that people, would describe me as quite athletic. Um, you know, I've got I've got quite a, a muscular frame. When I train, my shoulders, my everything gets gets um, quite big. So I was training really well. And someone came to me and said, "Oh, gosh, Laura, you look like you've um, you've lost weight." And I was I was like, "Oh my god, really? That's awful!" And they couldn't <laughs> believe it. They couldn't believe it. She was like, "I've never seen, I've never seen a woman just be." How I just gave her a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh, that is." I was like, "Really? Where? Oh no, gosh." <laughs> 
Um, so actually, you know, and I'm, oh, I'm really proud of you today in my head um, because you didn't, you know, go, oh, yes, thank you. Being finished mm. better. Um, no, actually, I'm just just doing what I am. And, you know, I feel I feel happy. I'm, I'm the most content I've ever been at about eight kilos, 10 kilos more than my goal weight whenever that was when I was running everywhere. <laughs> yeah, with much better knees, probably. Yeah, exactly. So tell me about like the the woman that comes to your class um, back when you started and the woman that you come now. Like, have you seen a change in the overall industry and the way that that women are approaching fitness, group fitness, lifting, all that sort of stuff in the time that you've been with? Because I think I have, but I'm really curious to to know you because you're obviously much closer to it than me. Totally. I think, well, the sheer number of us, so I think, it, you know, that the statistics uh, show, um, I think I saw the, the, the statistics for EMD um, and uh, UK said that strength training as a percentage has grown over the last, let's say, four or five years. I think CrossFit's had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've got more female role models um, that are of a more athletic build. And, you know, we're starting to talk more about the, the, the benefits of strength training. And I guess particularly with here at the Foundry, I was the I was the first female em, employee, really, uh, first time you know full time coach, and now yeah. we've got six, seven female coaches out of you know a coaching team of like eighteen. Mm-hmm. So actually, we're about thirty, forty percent of the coaching team here, and I think there there's this evolution of just this this acceptance and this actually, yeah, there is a you know women can have an authority in strength training. You know, you've got you know women that you see in CrossFit like. You see Tia Claire Toomey, who's, you know, competed at the highest level in Olympic weightlifting for Commonwealth for Australia, and she's won the CrossFit Games. Um, you've got, you know, British women like Donna Moore, you know, she's world's strongest woman. You know, she can deadlift 240 kilos and, and the rest. And, you know, we're just starting to look at these women and go, wow, like they're absolutely capable to be stronger, you know, than most men. Mm. Uh, so I think it, it, it has taken time and I did fight that a little bit, or, you know, being the only woman in a lot of environments. But I guess for me, I was always, I've always been used to that. I was the only woman, at, I was the only girl at football at school. I was the only girl in my judo club, you know, so I'm used to that. So I'm used to having to sort of fight my way through a little bit. So it doesn't really bother me. I think I'm very fortunate that the network of men that I work with are huge supporters of women um, you know, Ben and, and Dave and, you know, thinking a, a, a few years ago when I started here, the guys ex-rugby, Mark Island, Ali McKenzie, those mm-hmm. guys are five times my size, but they're big, <laughs> big friendly giants. I've learned so much from them and they they empower me to to take the, the lead. And I think it's just, you've got to, you've got to, in order to be it, you've got to see it. And, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, as I sort of hastily refer to myself as a pioneer, I sort of, carve my own path a little bit the unknown and hopefully I've opened the door for lots of other women to to come with me um and hopefully that you know they'll 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 rise and and go and do their own things so I think it's always it's always got to have someone that takes takes the lead and I think there's lots of women in our industry that that have done so well I think you have like speaking as someone who's been following you through this journey I think that you should feel proud of yourself because you definitely definitely have had an impact on on the on the woman that you work with and also just the people that you know you connect with through social media in terms of 
role modeling a type of fitness that they may not have seen before. Yeah. So on that on that note, where are the gaps that you think exist in the industry at the moment? Like where are the places that you still see <clears throat> either a lack of representation for things you need to see represented or or just um a bit of a a bit of an industry failing that you think needs to be needs to be taken care of. So as we, as the fitness industry comes back, right? Like we're all in a position where we've just had this big hiatus. Digital fitness has become this thing. We're getting back into live fitness. Are there any sort of parts of the industry that are still sort of lacking or falling behind that you think need to be need to be dealt with? Yeah, that, you know, that's a really great question. And I think when I look at the industry as a whole, um, you know, it, as with every industry, you know, the fitness industry is a commercial industry. We have mm-hmm. to make to survive and. You know, it's slightly strange making money from people's health and well-being. And that's really what I see it as trying to, you know, like you say, training people for life so that when they're 50, 60, whatever, you know, they can yeah. still do these things. And that's something where COVID may have a long-term sort of positive impact on the overall industry, right? Because now people are aware, well, if the pa- next pandemic comes along, then the best way to not die is to be fit. <laughs> and like, put put that way, it like, but it has resonated with people. Like people now realize that if, if they want to fight off any type of illness, um, but also, you know, the ones that were there before, right? Diabetes, um, obesity, heart disease, all that sort of stuff. They're all diseases of inactivity. Um, and that can be helped by any type of activity, whatever it is, whether it be lifting, whether it be walking, whether it be sport, you know, like Zumba, whatever they do, it's it's good. There is no bad movement. Exactly. And I, I do very much agree with that. But what I, what I do struggle with is um, exercise selection, intensity and frequency. Now, one of the things that we have, we sort of, we stand by at the foundry is our, is our strength programming, right? So we have progressive programming that is following a, a plan you know there's only so many things that you you know we, we want people to hip hinge squat you know mm-hmm. just leg work single arm work push-ups you know there's only so many things that are useful and effective and yep. efficient in terms of developing your your health and fitness um but the industry as fitness is you know here we go sex sells mm. um and the, the fun, interesting things are always going to be up there. So I remember when I started in the industry, there was a particular um, gym chain, a boutique gym chain that did um, like seven day shred. And I always thought that is so irritating because right. that is communicating that A, you need to shred, um, B, that seven days will complete <laughs> for you. Yes. Yeah that it's the exercise that is going to get right <laughs> lean um it's not so you know i think there, there's the misconception that i would love is the sort of the hit the high intensity stuff for people just to appreciate that actually to make progress to to develop your strength actually bull bagging yourself every single day at that top you know that peak heart rate zone is actually not the best for you yeah there's only so much stress that we can manage and depending on your goals and if your goals are to tone up or you know reduce your your body fat to achieve fat loss you've got to address the other things in your life there's no exercise that will that will do that for you there's no right you got to have sleep you got to have nutrition you got to have appropriate stress levels by that that are dealt with through both exercise and sleep and eating and you need to have recovery days right like i think that that's definitely a a shift in the industry. I think that people within at the top of the industry are definitely doing that. Like if I look to 
um, say Beachbody, who did P90X Insanity, right, which were, you know, smash yourself every day and then get shredded. Even they now program in recovery days to their to their workouts. Like I think the industry has changed, but you're right. As, as the industry changes, it takes a while for that perception to come down to the average user and the average user can, can still be sold in by, like I, I take F45. F45 do absolutely horrific marketing for the fitness industry. But I really like F45. I go to it um, and I enjoy it because it's just a circuit class. It's a circuit class with a whole lot of equipment that you can just rock up to, smash yourself and go. I don't go to the strength days because I don't think you should be working that intensely and lifting heavily. But I love the cardio days like battle ropes, slam balls, kettlebells, jumping, plyo. I love it. But the way they do their um, – or Barry's doing Hell Week, again, terrible, just bad 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 messaging <laughs> it's and this is nothing against f45 and barry's who i i use and i think are great workouts but I, I get why they do it right because at the end of the day before and after like get your wedding body get your holiday body get yourself in shape for new years unfortunately that sells um and so the industry is forever caught in this tension between knowing full well that that's a bad message and knowing full well that that will sell a membership <laughs> and and getting stuck in the middle, right? This is the thing, like, you know, Dave, um, Dave <clears throat> and I were sort of talking about our, <clears throat> our messaging and, you know, I look after the, the social media um, for the gym, for the foundry, and it is the most boring message to say, hey, join our gym. It's rather expensive and you'll be doing probably the seven, same seven movement patterns <laughs> over and over again for the rest of your life. Um, and some days you will not enjoy it. Some days you might. Um, that's the worst marketing message I've ever heard. So even though know, it's the one that will get you the results in the long term, right? <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. But you know, we 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 come from a place where we understand. We've we've taken that journey. I, mm. I, I've certainly every single fitness mistake. Uh, you know, I've done Hell Week. I've smashed myself at F forty five. You know, every, every day mm. because I felt like more was yeah. was better for me and, also and the more i hurt the harder i've worked and the better more calories i've burned <laughs> you, you know you're in this state of, of stress constantly you know mm. i stressed myself out and i'd go to work stress myself wouldn't recover wonder why i felt like shit the next day and and that was sort of the self-perpetuating cycle and then when i sort of realized well actually there's some other things I can do. I can manage this intensity, and actually, my body will be less inflamed. Yeah, and I'll get I'll get to my results quicker. But I think yeah, there, there's this whole sort of miseducation and the commercialization around fast results, um, entertaining fitness. You know, I I more than anyone, I actually cannot wait. I'm, I'm the next thing I want to do is go to Soul Cycle. Yeah, because I want to get on a bike and I want to listen to Beyonce in the dark with a camera yeah. and have someone <clears> say, "You've got this, girl." <laughs> I believe in you. Let's do our three minutes of, of emotion. I love I love how fitness can deliver this sense mm. of escape. But what we can't do is rely on it as our, you know, our, our coping or our, our therapy. You know, I, I've definitely described fitness as being a therapy for me, but I, I have to manage it in a way that is is sustainable. And and that and that's where I think the, the gap still is in the industry. How do you mm. make a really successful model around the message of sustainable. And I, I do think we're getting there. I, I yeah, we are getting there. But if you talk to anybody, like like at, I, like I've been um, in fitness for 20 years and I've kind of been at a good level of fitness. I'm now getting to the age where I can say that I'm proud of the fact that I'm still fit because I'm getting quite old um, and I'm still pretty fit for my age. But that revolves around doing strength training that revolves around the same five 
simple lifts. I don't squat. I don't deadlift, but you know, I bench press, shoulder pressed. I lunge doing, you know, single leg sort of stuff. But I do, I like, I vary it up. I vary the training protocols. Like I do, you know, higher reps, lower reps, change the weights, but it's the same movement patterns. Cause I know that the movement patterns that work, I do a couple of days cardio and then I walk every day and it's taken, it's taken me 20 years to figure out that it's just doing the same things consistently with with that real consistency like all the time that's what delivers the results the same way that if you talk to anyone who has kept themselves in really good shape diet wise the one thing that you almost always hear is they just have a diet where they eat kind of the same stuff all the time because they know what's healthy and <laughs> if you're constantly trying to vary it up like novelty is really important and i am a strong believer in you know buying a class pass membership and going to you know doing your classic kind of workout Monday to Friday, and then going to a soul cycle on a Saturday, or maybe a reformer Pilates, or maybe a hip hop class or whatever, have that, have that variance because you need it. But yeah, it's just, just consistency. It's not going to be like come in, stay seven days, even 21 days, right? Like 21 days is habit forming theoretically, but it's the fact that you form the habit that you continue. It's not the 21 days. Exactly. And, that, and that's the, that's <clears> the thing is that, you know, I, I totally appreciate, you know, the class pass model of, being having the ability to go to a different gym every single time but you know random random training random results if you're okay with that all right mm. but I, I do think that you know if you if you actually want to get some sort of I'm sure everyone's everyone's describes they've got some specific goals you're just not going to get there um, mm. and that and from a commercial perspective if we continue to encourage that gyms are going to find it hard because you you don't know who you're going to have at your gym from one week to the next. Mm. So, you know, that's why from our perspective, having a class model and the 21 day challenge, et cetera, that we have is a great entry point, but actually for us to have a sustainable business, we want to be able to train people, you know, for two or three years doing the same thing. But what you guys do and what, like I certainly encourage any of the listeners to this podcast because they're all instructors or trainers is that the founder creates community, right? Like you, like that, that messaging you said before, which was, you know, come in and you're going to come here all the time and you do the same, the same, the same lifts. We're going to vary up the protocols, but you know, you've been doing the same thing week in, week out and you're going to like it sometimes. You're not going to like it other times. And sometimes you're going to be a bit tired, but the one bit that you missed off, which is the, the bit that makes it is that you're going to have a community that you care about and that cares about you. And that's really where the kicker is. Right. And I think that's another that's and that's something that the likes of F45 and Barry's actually do do really well, right? Like I don't love their marketing sometimes, but they create this stickiness and community where you're going because you want to be there. The instructor knows you, the other people in the class see you there, and that's that's what gets people in. Yeah, and I think also like it's almost like in in London, it's become your identity. It's like where do you train? Where do you train? Yeah. Oh, I, I, what I, university do you go to? What school do you go to? Where do you train? <laughs> I feel like I, I know quite, I can know quite a lot about someone. Mm. If they say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm better, I'm going to Barry's Hell Week. I think, okay, wow, hardcore. Well, you know, I go to CrossFit. Okay, cool. You train yeah. five times a week. And, you know, so there, there's, there's, there's sort of an identity uh, attached to it. But, but yeah, like we said earlier, from even a personal brand perspective, you know, I'm not for everyone. Everyone's not for me. It'll be the same for the gym. Mm. We need, you know, 10 million, whatever the population is um, to come to our gym. We just need <clears> 300 to yeah. love it. And, and look forward to seeing each other. 
Absolutely. So now that the industry is sort of coming back from a pretty horrific year in terms of inability to work and closures, like what, how, what do you, how do you see the future? Like, what are you feeling? Are you feeling bright and happy? Are you a little bit concerned? What's your kind of state of play? This is a question that I think we'll be asking a lot of our guests as we, um, as we crawl back into what will be the new normal. Yeah, I, th- I think overarching, I'm I'm hugely optimistic. I'm 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 excited to to get back. I think, like we said, you know, during the time of the pandemic, more and more people are recognizing and realizing the importance of health. Um, people took up whatever running or you know, like like well, you did well burping on your. You know. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm actually back to that because I've had to come back to Paris and lockdown, and so I'm back to kitchen burpees. Love it. Your favorite. <laughs> My fave. No, I've got nothing against burpees. Actually, if you can't do a good burpee, what can you do? Um, <laughs> oh so yeah, I'm I'm overarching. I'm hugely optimistic. I think it's a a necessary sector that needs to do well. I'm disappointed in how it's been managed. I guess yep. in terms of our openings, the level of support we got. You know, the pubs are, are more important than us apparently. But um, okay. Um, but I'm I'm run a business, so it it would be it would be wrong of me to not be hugely concerned because financially, people are you know our members have been hit, people have lost mm. their jobs, people have had to relocate out of London. I yeah. think here at the foundry, you know myself, Ben and David and the team um, with your with your support actually will. <laughs> we need to thank you for your expertise there. We've pivoted our our business to have an online arm of our business, and if you'd asked us you know, a couple of years ago, can you ever imagine that you would be delivering your personal training? Right, like he- heavy lifting personal food. training via video. Yeah. Well, literally, like th- this morning, because we still got some members that even though, you know, they're able to come to the gym, actually they could <coughs> never, you know, we picked up new members mm. outside of London. They've got, a, you know, squat rack at home. So I'm, I'm benching with, with someone here. There's someone here that's got one kettlebell there's someone here that has got no weights at all. So I'm, I'm managing via the power of Zoom to still train people, still using our principles. It's still a mm. community deal. Um, it's very much our product, but it's online. And I think, you know, Will, you talk about a, a digital, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there'll be this hybrid model of a, a physical to, um, you know, to online presence. Uh, but for, for us, 80% of our member base have returned to the gym. Yep. And that's pretty. That's pretty high. I think that's what we'd expect. But we've also got members that have uh, can come to the gym, but they actually just wow. I really like the convenience of mm. doing this at home. So I think we're we're, we're or a bit of both, right? Like there are times yeah. when life gets in the way and they still want to work out. Now they can do it at home. But yeah. they. But yeah, I, I think the one thing that we can all agree on. Um, and this is speaking as someone who's you're obviously a massive digital fitness proponent, like I believe very strongly in it and have for a long time, nothing beats the in-person experience. Yeah. Um, and, and if, and, but the, but the reality is that life gets in the way, ch- children get in the way, jobs get in the way, distance gets in the way. And like having the ability to do the, both those things is just really valuable. Yeah, totally. I guess that the, the challenge is, is the, um, the competition, the cost, you know the the marketplace of online offerings. You know, <clears> yep. I'm I'm a, co- a coach on Fit, which is a fantastic app. I, I absolutely love it, and I, I think it's a very different market. I don't, I don't really think the overlap between you know what we do in gym it is, but mm-hmm. the price point is just poles apart. You right? Know, yeah, ten to fifteen pounds a month is amazing because you get you know you feel like you're in the room with six hundred plus workouts, really good trainers, <laughs> exciting productions. Uh, exactly. You know and versus our 350 pounds a month you know yep. 
small group PT and classes membership, it's um it's it's quite it's quite poles apart. So I think commercially we've got a job to try and prove our value in quite a a heavily disrupted marketplace online yeah. and person. And I think you know like things that we do, you know, we sort of made reference to the twenty one day challenge is by offering us a slightly reduced entry barrier to entry from a cost perspective. Um, to enable people to spend three weeks training with us so they know they experience the difference, not just us telling them. Um, you know, I, I remember at the start of the pandemic, lots of PTs were sort of saying, oh, God, you know, I can't compete with, you know, Joe Wicks is doing free Instagram. Mm. I was doing Instagram lives. You know, everyone was on an Instagram live and yeah. fatigue. And I kept reminding myself and other people that the one thing that you as a personal trainer or owner of a gym have is that personal connection. Right. You know, you, you're never going to meet Joe Wicks. I'm like, yeah. you know, but I, I, as your trainer, I know that day that you felt sad and we talked about it. I know yeah. that injury that you've got that I need to adapt for. So we've got to realize the value that we have as, as individuals in that smaller community um, to try and, you know, maximize on that as we, uh, as we open up. Yeah, right. It's all about connection at the end of the day, because this is something we've talked about on the podcast before as well, because I, because we're speaking to instructors and instructors are very aware that they're competing with Fit and they're competing with Apple Fitness and they're competing with Peloton and the price points of those are just so low um, and the quality of instruction is high. And, you know, there's going to be instructors on those digital platforms that move better than you, coach better than you, that maybe know more than you about exercise. But the thing they can't do is they can't go, hey, Laura, um, I like, I know you're a bit down this morning. Like, how are you feeling now? Like, let's get to the end of this workout and I'm sure you'll feel better. Like that can't happen through a mass market, huge volume platform, but that's something that a trainer or an individual that has a personal relationship can actually do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the value. And again, going back to it, you know, the, the person that is loves fit or Peloton, they might just might not be your audience. That's mm. Or they might still be your audience too and just do that as well. (laughs) I have digital memberships to like everything, but that doesn't stop me coming to the foundry whenever I get the opportunity. Of course, of course. So yeah, I I agree with you there. That personal relationship is, and it's just that trust, isn't it? Is I I trust you with my one hour I've got today Mm. to my head to, you know, develop my health and fitness. I'm going to give it to you. Perfect. Well, that almost brings us to the end of of our chat. I know that I've kept you, I've kept you for a full hour, and I'm I'm, yes. I'm grateful for that. I guess the the one question that I'm going to finish with is, what is next for you personally? So not so much about the industry, but kind of you as Laura. And I know earlier you said you're not an influencer, you're a PT. But what's what's like the next sort of big, hairy, audacious goal that you've got? If if you want to share it. Yeah, I, well, I'm, yeah, it's um, it's a great question, and sometimes I don't ask myself this enough. I think I'm I'm going through a period of time now where, after being in a bit of survival mode, yep. um, I'm sort of now looking out at the landscape and going, where do I, where do I fit? And you know, like I said, I don't, I don't want to be described as an influencer. I, you know, I, I don't have millions of followers. I think I've got forty five thousand. I don't need to know forty five thousand people um, yeah. <laughs> you know, to enable me to, to have a career so I guess that that has come as a result of sort of the external things that that I do um and I do have a bit of social media fatigue I'll be honest with Mm. you 
We've all been, you know, this time we've been staring at our screens, we've been interacting via Zoom, whatever it is. Haven't been able to go out and see people. So you've been interacting through the screen, which it does, it's this weird feedback, right? And that you feel less lonely for a second, but it ultimately makes you more lonely in the long run. <laughs> I had this through the halfway through point of last year. I was like living in Paris away from away from my friends, away from my family. And I would just scroll through Instagram to try and feel connected to people, but that's not connection. <laughs> And I, and I also think Instagram, you know, it's an, it's an amazing way to communicate over the, the past year or so. Instagram has been, you know, a, a tool to communicate quite serious, you know, global yeah. issues, things like, you know, BLM and, you know, it, it, other things that, you know, Instagram can sometimes be this very lighthearted, hey, yeah. work at. and other times it's really deep. Yeah. And and there is no context. There's no room for nuance. We're sort of going through this period of time of like cancel culture of like yeah. tweeted this 20 years ago, cancel them. Yeah. So I, I do find that more than ever, I mean, I'm not, I am not a controversial person um, on Instagram. I, I don't think, but I, I kind of go through this stage where I don't even want to be on it. Mm. Uh, and then I have to go back and remind myself, well, no, hang on a minute. You were originally on this to share your training, your experience, to try and inspire others, to, you know, try and wave that little flag, like I yeah. said before, for others. So it's, it's hard to block out that noise. Um, yeah. I've written a book. I've got a podcast. I'll be doing some in-person events um, this year, which I'm really, really excited about. And I think, you know, what's what's next for me? getting a, a balance back, trying to maintain some personal boundaries. You know, it's wonderful all the hundreds of, of DMs I get, but it's not manageable for me. No. <laughs> um, people people see that I'm on Instagram and I'm posting. So absolutely I'm sharing yeah. you know, life with people, but also behind that I have a full-time job. I've got three gyms. I've got two business partners. I've got a board. I've got a coaching team. Yeah my family, my friends, you know, my partner. So there's a lot for me to try to try and manage. And I, I need to sort of just give myself, you know, stand back a little bit from it. I would love one day to write another book. I still feel like I've got more that I, I want to say, having never thought I'd write a book. And <laughs> all, actually, Please tell me it's going to be on having great hair. Yeah, got to be. I'm still, <laughs> honestly, I'm like L'Oreal. I was with you for five years. Yeah. Where <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's something to do with that. And I think, you know, you know how passionate I am, you know, about the business at the foundry. It's more than a business for us. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, it's changing people's lives. And I think as we come out of this, hopefully once we're past survival mode and we can get back on our feet, you know, we're expanding our coaching team, we're getting new members in that really is the dream to, you know, new sites, you know, new locations, you know, we're developing still our, our digital platform. We're still learning as we go there. So I think success professionally for me is the foundry rocking and rolling where it was and, and mm-hmm. on a route to expansion. And personally, I just want to make sure, like I said, that I'm looking after myself because I think uh, probably a lot of people listening will, you know, the, the antisocial hours and people think we're always in the gym and we must be really fit. Actually, it's the last thing on my priority list. Mm-hmm train myself so sometimes you're a very successful pt that is very unfit yeah so yeah just trying just trying to manage trying to manage that but I, I guess once i'm over this period of social media fatigue i think i will you know get back on that and, and start to try and repeat that message and collaborate with people that that i love and I, i've not yet i feel like the most anti-social social media person i've not even <laughs> 
not into one event. Everyone's like, come to this event. You know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm busy. Um, I, just, I, haven't, I, just, I haven't had the emotional capacity for it. I um, think that that is a completely reasonable place to be in at this point in time. Yeah. And let's just, the fingers crossed that, um, that, you, that you can get away for a bit of the summer. Let's hope that green list expands, baby. And <laughs> you we, go, we literally go to Brunei and, and the, the south of Sandwich. Which, <laughs> you haven't booked a trip to yeah. Portugal? I haven't. No, I haven't. I, to be honest, I, I've just, I, I know it's going on. And you for know, those listening from other countries, Portugal is on the UK's green list, which means that there's no quarantine. <laughs> this is why we are, why this I, conversation's I come up. I, I haven't. I, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for Ibiza to be a, a goer for me and, and, mm. and make sure that the team are up and running at the gym. And, and then I'll, I'll think about taking some time out because I feel a bit pale at the moment. Um, yeah, fair but, enough. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Laura. I really appreciate yeah. you taking time and talk. Good luck with everything as we get back into the swing of things. And I'm sure that I will I will see you again and hopefully we'll chat again on the podcast at some point and hear about all the new things you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much, Will. I really appreciate your time. Cheers. So that was my chat with Laura. What I love about Laura, other than her great hair and amazing Nike collection, is how real she is. Often you hear two extreme perspectives when it comes to body image. One is that you must look a certain way, and the other is the body positivity movement. But in reality, most of us sit somewhere in the middle, and that's exactly the type of community that Laura has fostered around the idea of strength and being able to do something with your body. I've been in the industry for a long time, and I'm getting to a point in my career where body image doesn't mean for me the same things as it used to, and I'm pretty happy about the way that I look and focused on the things that my body can do. But the reality is that I also have days when I feel down about certain aspects of how I look, and there's nothing wrong with that, because as Laura said, we're only human, and it's human nature. There's also nothing wrong with having goals that are focused on aesthetics, or helping your members with their aesthetic-based goals. This is still important. Looking good and feeling good often go together and we shouldn't lose focus on that and the fact that it really is something that motivates people to fitness. But the key differentiator that Laura focuses on, and it's also something that we focus on at Shift, is fitness for life. You guys know by now, listening to this podcast, how strongly I believe that our main goal as fitness community leaders should be to build a community where everybody feels welcome and included, and where the focus is on fitness for life. I've loved watching what Laura's done for her community over the time I've known her, and how she's grown her profile with such a positive message. I'm also super happy to see you guys, our listeners. Keep tagging me in all your posts because the changes you are making are meaningful. Let's keep this movement going. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe for all the latest episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please drop us a review. You can also get in touch with me at will at shiftfitnesswithaone.com. I'm Will Brereton, and you've been listening to Group Fitness Real Talk.